Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. Reread it. It says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Well, what places is he talking about? He's talking about talking about those paralyzing places that the doctor gives you a report that you were not ready to hear. And in the moment of hearing that report, the giant of fear appears. What places are we talking about? We're talking about the hopeless place. When you were believing for and hoping that the marriage would take a different turn, but it doesn't seem like it's resolving itself. It seems as though there's no hope and the giant of fear rises up. It's the dark place when you're laying in bed at night and your teenage children are not home and you're wondering, where are they? What are they doing? Because you've had concern and you're thinking, God, I'm afraid of what they're getting themselves into. And then you know how that is. The moment that you entertain fear, again, fear cannot hurt you. The only thing that fear can do is present thoughts to you. But the only time that a fear has a power in your life is when you entertain the thought and then fear begins to have a voice in your life. And if you've ever been in that place where you've been lying in bed at night and you can't go to sleep because the thoughts are just going over and over and over and over. And I've had seasons of that in my life, in ministry, where I'm laying in bed at night and I've been exhausted because I haven't been able to sleep night after night after night. And I'm sitting there exhausted, wanting to go to sleep. And my eyes are heavy, but the moment that I close my eyes, they pop back open because I'm wide awake because the thoughts are continuing to roll in my mind. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? What place does the knowledge of God abide in to take us to a place of victory? It's that defeated place where you've looked at the bills and the bills have not been paid and they've not been current and you look into the bank account and there's not enough money and there's not enough money coming into the house. God says there is a knowledge that is available that will take us to a place of victory. It is the knowledge of who God is and what he desires to do that will cause the giant to be quieted. But unless you have knowledge or unless you know what you need to know, you'll have a test that presents itself. But you may not have the outcome that you desire. And it's not because it's not the will of God. It very well may be that there's some knowledge that we're lacking concerning the will of God. But if all I had was that one verse... 
of all I ever knew, if the Bible was shredded up, but there was only one verse that re remained and I could hang on to that. And it said, thanks be unto God who always leads me into triumph in Christ. That could get me over every circumstance in my life because always means always. Amen. Woo, come on. I know I've had some questions to God about you. God, really, this one? You can fix this one? And God says, oh yeah, always. <laughs> I'm playing. But come on, we've all been there, right? God, can you fix this? I always will lead you to triumph. But fear will raise its head to cause you to question the heart and the will of God concerning your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, once again, it says, God always leads us in triumph. With God, there is no other outcome. I said, with God, there is no other outcome but triumph. You might say, well, my marriage failed. We ended up getting a divorce. But still, on the other side of that, God says, I will lead you to triumph. You might say, I didn't think that I would ever find somebody else again. You might have found out that that creep that you were trying to hold on to was somebody that it was, he was better to let go of in the first place. And God brought you somebody better, a man or a woman of God, and you're like, whoa, praise the Lord. What was I so concerned about? Look what the Lord has done. And not that I'm advocating divorce, but you understand what I'm saying. Come on, somebody. You're, you're fretting and worried about the job that you lost, but God says He always leads you to triumph, so that means that if you lost a job, a better one's on the way. Amen. Your kids had some ups and downs. Well, that just means, you know what? God's going to do a great miracle, and we're going to have a great victory concerning this situation in our life because God always leads us to triumph. Amen. So let me just kind of give us some scripture or give us a story, if you will, one that you're familiar with that really connects to what we're talking about. And you know the story of David and Goliath, and obviously concerning the story of David and Goliath, we, we oftentimes read that in the manner of it being a fairy tale. Or we look at it as though this particular story was out of the norm. We use it as a symbolism in some of the... Uh, 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 things in our life boy that was a real david and goliath moment and we're talking about the odds of impossibility but i want you to understand that the life of a believer the child of god always ought to see themselves as the david not the little intimidated boy that came up against the giant but seeing yourself as a giant slayer Every circumstance, boy, I'm going to be a David in this situation. That giant of fear is going down. I'm not going to be subject to it. I have always, or God has always provided triumph for me in every circumstance, and so therefore this is just another opportunity for God to show himself big. Amen. But now let's again think about the story of David and Goliath. The Bible says that these men were God's army. This was Israel up against the Philistines and really up against just one man. Because the Bible doesn't say anything about the Philistine army other than they were in the background, but it was the giant or Goliath that was out front 
claiming and saying, if you beat us, we'll serve you, but if we beat you, you serve us. And these, what, the, these, these men of the, Israel, uh, the army of Israel were men of God that had a reputation to be great warriors. And once again, because of their conduct and their attitude and the way that they were cowering down, you would think that they were inferior. But Saul was the man that God chose for his people. Do you remember that they were saying, we want a king? And God says, okay, I'll pick the very best that I can find for you. And he gave them Saul. And Saul had a heart towards God. And the army of Saul, the army of Israel, was an army that had a reputation fighting for God and seeing God show up. Let me show you a verse here concerning God's hand, concerning the people of God and the army of Israel. In Joshua chapter 21, starting in verse 43, Joshua chapter 21, verse 43, it says, So the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it, and the Lord gave them rest all around. There's rest in God. It says that he gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hands. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. So this is the lineage that the people of God, the armies of God had had before them. Everything that God ever said came to pass. Any enemy that rose up against us, God defeated them. This was another opportunity for God to show up and for them to lean on the help and the hand of God. But the Bible says that the giant started making all kinds of noise and they cowered down. Come on, is somebody here this morning? These are men that saw God move, but now the giant begins to show up, and they're fearful. But then there's this boy, this kid that comes on the scene, and he's hearing all the noise going on. In fact, he was just going there to take lunch to his brothers. And when he gets there, he hears the same thing that all the army of God had been hearing. He sees this weak, feeble, frightened army that has been seasoned for battle but are, are are overcome by the giant of fear and he says who is this uncircumcised philistine that defiles the army of the living god these men have been trained for battle these men have had a reputation god knowing who god was and therefore it didn't matter whether it was the lion that he killed out in the pasture or whether it was the bear that he killed out in the pasture and again he did it with his bare hands and he said if god delivered me from the lion if he delivered me from the bear you will be no different and today i'm gonna take your head buddy amen so therefore he cultivated a knowing of god's faithfulness come on somebody because once again, fear is going to try to control you 
And if you continue to meditate on the thoughts that fear brings, then you will give a voice to fear. Amen. And so it's important for us to quiet the giant. You're going to hear what everybody else hears. You're going to hear what everybody hears on the news. You're going to hear everything that the family's talking around the, the dinner tables. Uh, we, my, my wife, she just went down to her, her family's house uh, this past month. It was actually this month, wasn't it? I was in South Carolina. She was in Oklahoma. And so as she's down there with family, there's one particular family member. He's not saying it to, directly to her. But he was saying, you know, you got kids to think about. And you better do the right thing. You know what you got to do. And he's talking about all the things that are going on in the, the current culture. You know what you got to do. Don't be stupid. For your kids' sake, do the right thing. And he would call himself a Christian. But the reality is, is that he don't know God. He's given an ear to the giant of fear and therefore has been governed by the voice of fear and thinks that that is the way to go. Now, once again, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox one way or another. My point is this, is that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God is the God in whom we will trust. God is the God in whom we will fear. And therefore, no harm shall come nigh our dwelling place. Why? Because God always leads us in triumph. Amen. And so there is knowledge to gain and there is knowledge that is going to be given to you. But the question is, is what knowledge are you giving heed to? Because Jesus says, take heed what you hear and take heed how you hear. And so depending on what knowledge you'll give place to is to what you'll surrender to. Amen? He said that he always leads us in triumph. Now let me just share this with you. Because once again we see David acting differently than the army of God. These are men that are on the same team as David. You could say it this way, David and the army of God, or Saul's army, they all went to the same church. They all served God, loved God. But we see that there was a difference between the first string team and the second string team now what i mean by that for instance if you're a football coach and if you want to have a winning team that leads the team to triumph does the coach play first string second string or third string help me out the coach plays the first string well, who's the first string guys or girls? They are the ones that know the game the best and therefore perform the best, right? The coach would never say to the second string team, <laughs> listen, it don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter. All you second, third stringers, go out there, just have fun and lead us to victory. You wouldn't do that, would you? Because they don't have the skill set yet. 
in the church and in the culture today. We are letting a second, third string people mentality of the lack of knowledge leading the whole bunch and therefore the giant of fear is running rampage over the people of God. And God says, you need to allow the first string people to come up. Don't get offended at what they say. Don't get offended at how they lead, but follow the example because once the first string players goes and wins the game, how many of you know second and third string win as well because they're on the same team amen and so once again I'm not saying that to be little individuals that are not on the first string team my point is this there is a mentality of the first string players they think differently and because they think differently they play a different game They play to win, not just to have fun. And so if you'll allow yourself to get around the right people, because knowledge, remember he said through you, there is a diffusion of the fragrance of the knowledge of God. If you get around winning people, if you get around people of faith, if you, if you get around people that are bold in their following of God, you'll find that it starts to rub off on you. You start getting around people that have their shoulders back and say, this is the God in whom we serve and we will not bow to no one. You'll find that you start getting your shoulders back a little bit more. And you might be five paces behind it, but you might find that you start staggering and have a swagger about yourself. Why? Because you're hanging with the the bunch that's a winning bunch. Amen. Did I ever tell you the story about when when I was a young guy? Just a real quick story. You know, I've told you before that I was always in karate. And so when I was a young teenage boy, I wasn't always running the way that I should. And so I was running with some guys that really didn't have no business running with. And so we were in some places that we didn't need to be. And so one of my friends got kicked out by the bouncer. And so we're out there on the street. And this other guy got kicked out. He went out around the corner in the down street alley. And these guys came out and said, hey, where's that one guy? And so one of my friends says, he went around the corner. So these guys, there's five of them. They took off around the corner, caught up with that guy, and started beating him down, kicking him in the head. And we went around the corner just to see and be, be observers. But then there came a point where, like, dear God, they are beating the snot out of this kid. We ought to do something. And just as I'm thinking that, one of my friends steps in and grabs one of the guys and pushes him up against the wall in the alley there. And so it starts getting a little bit heated. And then the punches started flying and everything. I mean, we're just going to town. And there's like four of us and like five or six of them. And we whooped them. And we got back to school. I'm talking about the people that you run with. We got back to school. And for whatever reason, there was a story that started. That man, Tony, he was grabbing onto the light post in the alley doing flying kicks and kicking guys in the head. And man, we just did some amazing... And and so there's this big story. The reality is, is I'm standing there in the alley with my friends doing all the fighting, and I'm sitting there like... And I never hit a guy. But the reality is, is that I was hanging with some guys, and therefore, I was in the victory circle with all the guys because I was one of the guys. 
And they're like, wow, Tony, we heard about you. I'm like, yeah, that's right, man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Are you getting the point? When you start running with people of faith, you'll start to act different just by being around people of faith. Now, if you're not hanging around people of faith, and you're running around with people that are hanging out in the gutters, well, eventually, uh, just give it time. We'll know what you'll act like and what your life will be like. But if you'll hang around people of faith, we know eventually what you'll become and what you'll be like. You'll be people of faith, where you're trusting God. And then when you're having difficult times and trusting God, those people of faith that you're running with, they'll rally beside you, lift you up, and, and, and uh, hold you up in the time that you need people to come and undergird and help you in the time of trouble. Amen. Is this helping somebody? So concerning faith, I'm trying to get all this in this morning if I can. If not, then you'll just have to come back next time. Leave you hanging on the end of your seats. But to fight the giant of fear, you have to know how to use the weapon of faith. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, we touched on this a little bit last week, but Hebrews 11.1 1 says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So concerning faith, there are two components. Most of the time, people do not get past the first part. It says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. For the individual, the child of God, he that comes to God must believe that he is, or in other words, that he's able. And most people that are believers would say, I believe God is able. He's God. He's able. And therefore, that's the position that they hold on to, and that's as far as their faith goes. Remember the example that I gave you for the studying of the realtor or the insurance agent there's only so much that you know and if you only know so much then you don't pass just believing that god is able is not enough to pass the test but that's where people most of the time camp and say well god's able oh praise the lord god you're able god you're able god you're able god you're able and god says i know i am but what are you going to do about it? Well, God, you're able. And we have defeat after defeat after defeat. And then eventually you'll find people say, well, I guess that faith stuff don't work. Or I guess it just isn't the will of God. And it was never concerning the will of God. It was just concerning the lack of your knowledge. I believe that God is, but he goes on to say, believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what we end up doing is when we're facing the giant of fear, what we end up doing is we ask God, God, will you do something? 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 And that leaves us in a passive position. But if I believe that God is a rewarder upon approach, then when I pray, I don't stop with, God, will you do? My prayer changes, God, will you do? Thank you that you have. Oh, thank you. Come on, this giant's going down. 
because you always leave me in triumph. Somebody comes along and says, well, you really believe that God's going to do that? Uh, don't you just know that sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't? Well, sometimes my prayers don't get answered. My prayers get answered every time. Well, how can you be so bold? Because I know God. Well, you seem awful cocky. I don't care if you think that's cocky or not. I know God's faithfulness. His word is forever settled in heaven. He says it does not return void. Either God is a liar or he's true. If he's a, 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 a lying God, then let's just go play golf. Brother, let's go fishing. Come on, man. We're, let's do something different. But God says, I'm faithful to my word. It changes not. It's forever settled in heaven. Therefore, if he said it, it settles it. And therefore, I have triumph. Somebody says, well, it don't look like it's changing. Well, you just hide and watch because I've already got triumph. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're a rewarder. You're a rewarder. You're a rewarder. Amen. Let me give you an example. Because again, this is one of those things where people really struggle and think, well then, maybe God's not listening or maybe God's will isn't X, Y, and Z. We've got some minister friends uh, down in Atlanta and Bruce just went home to be with the Lord last week. Now, Bruce has been a man that has walked with God for as long as I've known him. Been faithful to serve God. He has had many battles over the year physically. And God has led him to triumph every single time. Now, at the beginning of this year, he got COVID. So he went into the hospital, and everybody's standing in faith with him. And one of the things he said, because at that time, they weren't letting anybody go in to see you. And he, was, he said this. He said, it was one of the most isolating, most lonely times i've ever experienced i had nobody of faith to surround me he said i knew that they were out there but here in my room he said i was all alone he said for the first time he said i was thinking i think i just want to go home go home to be with the lord well god delivered him from the covid he got out of the hospital went back to pastoring doing well then had a issue concerning his diabetes and some things started to happen in his leg. Well, they were starting to uh, see some signs of, of some issues. And so he went into the hospital and the doctor said, we're going to have to take your leg. So they took the leg. He overcame, came out of it, doing well, going through physical therapy. Everything was going well. They're on top having the victory. And then all of a sudden, just a couple of weeks ago, he gets hit with a blood clot and puts him back in ICU. Now, this is a man that has sought God, seen God move. The family, the ministry has always seen God's faithfulness. This is just one more hurdle. But how many of you know that sometimes you just don't want to fight no more? So in this season, he said, you know what? My faith in my heart is to go home. I just want to go home. And his wife said, you can't go home. You've got too much to do. And he said, I'm telling you. He said, do not pray. He said, I'm going home. I want to go home. And so she settled it in her heart. Bruce wants to go home. And so, 
She grabbed a couple of her prayer partners and she just says, God, Bruce wants to go home. We don't want him to go, but we're going to let him go. We're going to release him to you. And rather than him going through the jaws of death, God, we release him so that he can go through the gates of death. He is communicating with them, but in this moment, they exercise their faith, conquering the giant of fear. And you know that death is the greatest giant that we all face. Within two hours, he went home to be with the Lord. Now, you might say, well, that's a sad story. No, it is a story of triumph. Because you would think, well, dear God, she lost her husband. She's in ministry all by herself now. No, they settled the fact that this is his desire. We're going to engage our faith. And he went home. And the wildest thing, obviously, you know you have the natural side of grieving. But she's rejoicing gladness of heart because the giant of fear did not win. They're rejoicing because God is faithful. And listen, how many of you know that death does not have the last word? I mean, what's the worst case scenario? You die? <laughs> oh, come on. Paul says to die is to gain. Amen. Amen. So what? I lose the battle here? Man, I just get to go to home. Get to go to heaven. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So once again, there is the giant of fear that we must conquer. Now, I'll close with these thoughts. Give me just a couple minutes to close down. You remember the story that we've been talking about, and we've used this the last couple weeks, concerning Jesus on the water. He was with his disciples. The storm arose. As the storm was raging, they feared for their life. Jesus was sleeping. They go to Jesus and said, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? The storm is not an evidence of God's lack of care. It's just an opportunity for you to trust him in what he's already said. He said to the storm, peace be still. And the storm calmed and he turned to them and he said, where was your faith, guys? Where was your faith? Did I not say even before we left, let's go to the other side? I gave you the instructions of what was taking place. All right, now let me back up because I'm going to share this verse with you one more time and see how it applies here. In Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 7, it's not on the screen because it's the mere translation. Concerning Jesus, it says, when he faced the horrors of his imminent death, he presented his plea to God in an outburst of agony or agonizing emotion and tears. He prayed with urgent intent to be, to be delivered from death, knowing God's power was saving him and that, the, that he enjoyed God's full attention. He had a firm grip on the prophetic word. Once again, the commentary says that Jesus did not cry out in fear. He cried out knowing what God had said. You will be raised on the third day. You will be the Savior of the world. The chastisement of the peace will be upon you. By your stripes, they will be healed. 
It was the word or what had been spoken that caused him to have great victory and triumph in the most challenging time of his life. Now, it could be easily said that the reason that Jesus could speak to the storm is because before he even left, he said, let's go to the other side. That's just a portion of the story. The reality is, is that Jesus had fellowship with his father and continually heard the word of God prophetically concerning him. So, when they sought to stone him, you can't stone me. It's not my time to die because I know the prophetic word. Oh, the giant of fear would try to raise itself up and say, look at all these people. They're seeking to kill you. He's like, you can't kill me. It's not my time. Remember when they sought to throw him over the cliff? You can't throw me over the cliff because the prophetic word says that I've got a job to do and I've got a triumph to conquer and I've got a victory to win and so therefore you can't throw me over. So therefore, because he knew of the prophetic word spoken of him, when he's standing on the side of the shore, that's why he can say, let's go to the other side because this storm that the devil is throwing in our faces will not come to fruition. We will go to the other side because I know what the Father has said concerning me. And then notice what it says here in the last part of that verse. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. It says, Jesus was acquainted with sonship and he was in the habit of hearing from above, and he heard, uh, and he heard distanced, and, and what he heard distanced himself from the effects of what he had to suffer. By his perfect hearing, he forever freed mankind to hear what he had heard. Jesus did not conquer the storm because he was Jesus. It was because he had knowledge from what he heard. If you take anything away from you today, or with you today, when fear tries to raise its ugly head this week, when you face circumstances, or the thing that you've been dealing with, and it's trying to keep you awake at night, then remind the giant of fear what you've heard this morning. And it's found once again over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Thanks be to God who always leads me to triumph. Devil, this is just another opportunity for me to win. So hide and watch. Amen? Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you've been struggling with fear, fear because of the current culture that we're in, fear because of a virus, fear of marriage, fear of money, maybe fear has been tormenting you, depression, anxiety, worry. Maybe fear has been taunting you because of physical ailments in your body. Then I want you to know that today is the day that fear begins to move out of your life. And I'm going to pray for you.
and the anointing that is upon my life. The anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the burdens is, is going to bring reprieve to you today. Now, don't leave the void unattended. What I mean by that is you might sense, oh dear God, I can sense a freedom and a lightness that I have not experienced in the longest of time. If you don't fill that void with God's promises of what you've heard, the enemy will fill the void with fear once again. So be diligent. And once again, if all you have is God, you always lead me to triumph. You purpose to stir it up, meditate on it. Amen? With every head bowed, nobody looking around, but if you're here today, if you're watching online, let us know. If you've been struggling with fear in any way, over any circumstance, would you just lift your hand? I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Anybody else? Eight. Come on. Thank you for acknowledging that. Well, today's the day that it stops. If you wish you would have raised your hand, then again, just as I pray, you receive this right now. Those of you watching and listening online, as I pray, you just reach out and grab hold of it and say, that's mine now. I receive the triumph and the freedom from fear in Jesus' name. If you raised your hand, I want you just to purpose to pray along with me and receive those things which we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice and especially those that have raised their hand and said that they have been plagued and been tormented by fear. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over that spirit of fear right now. We plead the blood of Jesus and we command the fear and the voice to stop in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for freedom, freedom of mind, freedom in body, freedom in the soul. In Jesus' wonderful name. So therefore, we laugh at the devil. Ha, 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 ha. Because devil, you're a liar and the father thereof. And so God, I thank you that you're leading us into triumph from this moment forward. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.